Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Fiction Predictions, a new podcast about the books, TV shows, and films of the past that predicted the world we live in today. Over the coming episodes, we're going to cover the classics like Stephen King and The Simpsons, as well as some lesser-known examples we've managed to dig up. We wanted to do this podcast because we live in a strange time of nostalgia for the past, fear of the future, and a growing uncertainty about the present. We were curious to explore how much has actually changed in the world that we live in, and the way that we, as storytellers, perceive it. Didn't you ask your new friend Peter Jackson about this recently? Oh, I knew you were going to bring this up. I was actually just interviewing him and I was curious to know what he thinks about all this sort of dystopian fiction that's constantly being thrown around, like 1984, when it, when it comes to the present day and I wanted just to get his take on it. So I actually brought a little clip that you might be interested in. Go on. I think the world is a scary place right now. I mean, it is scary because you, you have a world in which a lot of the authoritarian um, regimes are getting uh, emboldened. Countries are, you know, acting like Germany was in 1932-33. I mean, where it's going to go, we don't know, but that's the scary part. We don't know. What do you think of that? It's interesting, actually, um, because that quote actually really closely ties in with what I wanted to talk about today. Before we dive into it too much, though, we should probably... I'm conscious that we haven't even introduced ourselves yet yeah nobody really knows who we are go on all right my name is nikolai nikolov and i'm a producer here at mashable on the side i've also been working on a doctorate about the ways the past continues to exist in the present in post-communist europe uh my name is sam hasem I'm, I'm a writer and editor at mashable um i spend a big chunk of my time working on culture and entertainment stories and i've also recently published my debut novel uh which is like a horror thriller called the more and nick's read it cover to cover several times so it's a, it's, a, it's a good one. <laughs> um, anyway, before we go wildly off topic, um, I'm going to... Are you ready for this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive straight in with, uh, with a quote from the book I'm talking about. So just listen to this and I guess see if you can... See if you have any early guesses as to who the author might be, what the book is, or um, what the prediction might be. Okay, do, do, you have any, do you have any clues? It's from an author who I am a fan of. Stephen King. Oh... It's well, Stephen King. I can't. I mean, I can't say yes or no, but I should probably come clean and say, I yeah, I'm probably borderline obsessed. I would say is how I describe it with Stephen King. Okay, are you are you ready, Nick? We're going to kick off the first quote of the podcast. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. 
The man is a clown. He goes charging around the speaking platform like that at every rally. He's a clown, so what? So people want to giggle or two. Even more, they want to thumb their noses at a political establishment that doesn't seem able to solve anything. Right, so you got any early guesses? You managed to wheedle the name of the author out of me already. It seems quite contemporary in terms of the political language that it uses, but, I mean, Stephen King has been writing books for, like, decades so yeah he has been writing for decades and that that book was actually one of his earlier ones published in 1979 so i'm glad that you say it sounds contemporary because that that kind of fits in with what i wanted to chat about really well so yeah it's a 1979 novel called the dead zone and in a nutshell i guess what i wanted to talk through is how i think the dead zone predicted the rise of donald trump doesn't Stephen King often t- tweet about Donald Trump? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Mm. Yeah, he probably tweets more about Trump, I would say, than any anything else. Okay, so the first thing I should note is this isn't like an original idea I've had. Like people have been mentioning this on Twitter pretty much ever since the early days of Trump's campaign. They've been mentioning this similarity. And actually, Stephen King himself has even mentioned it. Oh, that helps your cause. It does, yeah, it does. Uh, specifically in relation to one particular character in the dead zone he's mentioned it he's tweeted about it and i believe he was recently on um the late show with stephen colbert and i think he spoke about it then does trump remind you of anyone from any of your own stories master of horror that you are you know in a way yes he does he reminds me of there was a character greg stilson in the dead zone he reminded me a little bit of him and it's particularly interesting when you really dig into sort of specific quotes um, because you really kind of see just how spookily accurate some of the lines are. Spookily accurate. Do <laughs> you like that one? I do. Okay. So what I've what I've basically done is I've kind of like obsessively scoured the book, and which you have right in front of you. I do. Yeah, I have. You can hear the the sweet rustle of pages here. And um, yeah, I basically like, so what I did was I just got a bunch of post-it notes and kind of, I highlighted all the sections that kind of stood out to me and that really, yeah, were sort of, that, that sort of jarred with the, with the present in a way. When we're first introduced to Greg Stilson, uh, there's this recurring idea of his greatness, uh, something that's repeatedly referred to. And there's a quote in the book that goes, his greatness was on the way. And then just to sort of really emphasize it, the quote continues, and God and Sonny Jesus help anyone that got in his way. Um, I'm kind of skipping skipping through the passage there a bit, but it's basically just this idea of, of greatness, this obsession with greatness, and this real kind of aggressive determination to achieve the greatness. When we're first introduced to him, he's uh, just a traveling salesman, almost like a door-to-door salesman to make a living. Um, and uh, but he's got he sees big things in his future and obviously the first thing it reminded me of was Trump's campaign slogan this make America great again and this idea that when he's thinking and you know like almost like God help anyone that gets in his way it's that real like determination like he's not going to be you know it's kind of like again the way like Trump on the campaign trail just kind of bulldozed through people you're a tough guy Jeb let's see I'm at 42 and you're at 3 so so far I'm doing better doesn't matter the similarities really start to crop up when he's starting on his road to politics. Do we do we know what he's actually running for? Greg Stilson starts off as a traveling salesman, uh, then he becomes involved in local business and politics before eventually running as an independent in New Hampshire for the House of Representatives. So one other uh, interesting caveat is the the Dead Zone was made into a movie in 1983 with Christopher Walken playing the main character. Vote from John. 
I'm not even registered. You're not registered? No. Well, get registered, pal, and vote against this turkey. Martin Sheen actually plays Greg Stilson. They're not working. There's unemployment everywhere. And you can kind of see in the film, in some of the clips, uh, the clips of Martin Sheen as Stilson at some of the rallies, he has this kind of... That this kind of uh, really hectic energy and fervor that kind of mirrors what we're talking about with the similarities to Trump. Well, I've come down here today with a job for every one of you. We have. I've come here today with a challenge for all of you. The most jobs available in the history of our country. I'm Just challenging you right here and now. Let's send Greg Stilson to the United States Senate and mediocrity to hell. Another character in the novel goes along to one of Greg Stilson's rallies. Mm. And at this point in the book, he's starting to get a bit of a name for himself. So like people are starting to hear about him. Um, and there's a passage in the book describing um, one of the rallies. And yeah. so there's a line where it says, they were screaming his name, chanting it, Greg, Greg, Greg. There's this description of this really hectic crowd scene. There's someone holding up a sign saying, live free or die. Um, and then wow. the passage reads, it was all mass confusion. Excitement was humming through the crowd like a series of high voltage electrical cables. So Greg in this scene, um, the character's in the audience watching and it's kind of mayhem all around, like just this real atmosphere of excitement, like, yeah, people chanting. Um, and he, he kind of finally comes up on the stage and he's got this huge, like, stage presence, the character, and he like... Well, you got to be in good shape to go the full distance for those big boys down in Washington. Right. He whips the crowd up and he's, he's kind of like making people laugh. He's really, he's eccentric. <laughs> Better shape in this country. What the hell is happening to this country? Can anybody tell me what the hell is going on? And he's like charging around and he's basically putting on a show. Sounds familiar. It's really like, it, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's exactly like a description of if you were reading a news article back in, back in the days of Trump's sort of early, early campaign. Or like, today. It's, it's, it feels oh, like yeah. we haven't gotten used to the performance that Donald Trump is playing or why he's so appealing to so many people. This Greg Stilson character does exactly the same thing. Like, I think when he goes up on stage, he, like, he has, like, a builder's hat that he has on and he, like, he charges around, like, I think he throws hot dogs into the crowd and stuff. And he's doing these, like... That's pretty bizarre because, I mean, not only have there been rallies where Trump goes on stage with a builder's hat, but also, even more bizarrely, there was that infamous scene where he was visiting Puerto Rico following Hurricane Maria, where he just randomly started throwing paper towels to a, to a bunch of people watching him. Uh, yeah, I, that rings a bell. I didn't even... I, that was something that hadn't even occurred to me, to be honest. It's, it's uncanny. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? He's doing these big like, attention-catching stunts, but you've got people in the crowd who are already like really excited and they're chanting his name exactly like they chant Trump's name at the rallies. And um, but then you've also got these people like holding like signs with like "Live Free or Die" like right. that. You know, I I don't know if there's someone that held up a sign saying that at a Trump rally, but I wouldn't be surprised if you could find something similar. The great slogan of New Hampshire, "Live Free or Die," means so much to so many people all over the world. They use that expression. It means borders. It means strong, strong military where nobody's going to mess with us. What a great slogan. So this was the first time in the book where the comparison starts to become clearer, basically. And leading on from that is some of the language Greg uses at these rallies in the book. So he's got these, like, real, like, 
anti-establishment slogans and this narrative that he's constantly driving. So I've got another passage here. So he says, what are we going to do in Washington? Why do we want to go to Washington? What's our platform? Our platform got five boards, my friends and neighbours, five old boards. And what are they? I'll tell you up front. First board, throw the bums out. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. And it's all like screamed in kind of capital letters. Like throw the bums out. What are we going to do in Washington? Yeah, throw them out. Throw them out into the cold. One of his like main agendas is this idea that he's like an everyman he's going to go into Washington he yeah, yeah he's going to shake things up drain the swamp that is exactly what it, I thought of when I when I read throw the bums out it, <laughs> so the number of times Trump used that slogan drain the swamp um, like he tweeted it uh, a number of times I did a Twitter search and there were at least seven uh, he said it repeatedly on television it's actually curious to know that the last time he used um, drain the swamp in a tweet was in 2018 so it's a it's a phrase that he's just slowly stopped using just phased that one out over time it's crazy when i really read the book recently to think it was yeah it was written back in the 70s and it, it just feels really like prescient i mean it's, it's essentially populist politics isn't it that, that these guys are practicing and it's interesting that stephen king sort of noticed this so early on i wonder I wonder how, what he was using as a sort of a comparison in that time. I wonder who was his inspiration. So when he tweeted about it, he tweeted something like, like if you've ever seen Stephen King's Twitter feed, he's, he's often bashing Trump. He is not a big Trump fan. And he tweeted at some point, um, he said, like, for anyone that thinks populist demagogues uh, are a new thing or something, they're not See the Dead Zone published in 1970, uh, whenever it was published. Um so yeah, he was sort of this idea of a populist demagogue was the thing he was kind of the thing he was talking about. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't believe I've read any interviews with him where he speaks about his specific inspiration for that character. But yeah, it's certainly it's certainly a sort of a well, spooky sir, similarity. We won that election by damn near what? Twenty nine. Twenty nine percentage points. We've been winning ever since, and those people spent that money with a clear conscience. <laughs> and it, it doesn't stop there either. Like as the book goes on, Greg basically becomes more and more popular. His popularity starts to snowball, and he's starting all of a sudden. He's being spoken about by the politicians. He's just getting warmed up. He's being spoken about in the media. And it's that thing where, similar to Trump, he kind of starts off as a bit of a joke or something almost almost a little bit refreshing for, like, the media. Like, you know, I remember... The punchline of politics. Yeah. Well, there were a bunch of... Like, I've seen some old interviews. Like, there was one with, like... John Oliver did a, a video recently where he was like, he, he kind of apologized because he was like, he said, he showed a clip of, kind of jokingly apologized, he showed a clip um, back, I can't remember how, how long ago it was, but it was pre kind of Trump decide, announcing he was going to run, I think, or maybe even around that time. And uh, John Oliver was literally saying like, please run, basically. And yeah, like, I remember that. Do it. I will personally write you a campaign check now. Yeah, yeah. And I think John Stewart maybe like I watched an old interview with him the other day and he was asked about the possibility of, of Trump running and I think like I think he even talked about how, you know, for a comedian or something it would be I guess they never read the dead the dead zone, huh? <laughs> was yeah, it's like this is kind of arrogance, right? That this could never. That's what I was also thinking when you were reading these quotes. Is like I, I come from Bulgaria, and, and, and these kinds of politicians talking that way of always finding you know a figure to blame, some sort of negative image, some other that's causing all these problems that needs to be taken away, like dealt with. But 
people who are American and I guess people who are from the UK. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, never expected that something like that could happen in these, you know, very stable societies with strong democratic institutions. And that's why people like John Oliver were so eccentrically arrogant when, when Donald Trump was running. Wow, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I guess, like, I mean, I guess they're coming from a position where their sort of job almost is to is to kind of make fun of all all kind of political candidates. So right. I guess, like, they, I think they mainly meant it in the sense that if there's someone like that running who's such a like easy target for their jokes, then it was just going to be make their jobs a lot yeah. easier. So I think they were saying it in a kind of tongue in cheek way. But but again, like you know, as as John Oliver said in the kind of recent clip where he was talking about that old clip, like it's I guess it just highlighted how yeah, no one really expected it to, and it's similar to the book. Greg Stilson starts off as this as this kind of new, fresh, and kind of entertaining figure. He's just he's just someone kind of breaking the typical mold. He's kind of funny to make jokes about and to laugh at, and he's a bit refreshing. and 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 in the book, he snowballs um, in the same way that Trump did, and it, and it goes through a lot of the same stages. So, so some more quotes from the book. Democratic candidate David Bowes calls Stilson a practical joker who is trying to throw a monkey wrench into the workings of the democratic process. Harrison Fisher is stronger in his criticism. He calls Stilson a cynical carnival pitchman who is playing the whole idea of the free election as a burlesque house joke. So basically there you've got like how the Democratic candidates referring to him and how the Republican candidates referring to him as he's becoming more of a threat to them. So... Again, like it's just like the similarity, like a practical joker trying to throw a monkey wrench into the workings. I mean, that sounds that sounds like something someone could have said about Trump. But yeah. but the but cynical carnival pitchman, like that is that's, very specific. Yeah, and it's it, it's not just something. It doesn't. I, I I like did some I did some googling and uh, like someone. I found a Guardian article of someone referring to Trump as a no way as a yeah car, a carnival barker. So not quite the same language, but almost there. And I also found a video, and I think this was from probably further down his campaign line. So it was just before um, 
people were about to start voting, but someone... A former foreign policy advisor from the Romney 2012 campaign... ...referred to him as... ...party decided to nominate a malevolent carnival barker as their nominee. Right. <laughs> so that's almost like, it's almost a, a synonym, like cynical carnival pitcherman, malevolent, malevolent carnival barker. barker. So it, it, it's kind it's of insane. mad to think yeah. that... Yeah, Stephen King was it's writing too close. this. It's too close. And then it starts to get more kind of like, I guess, last couple of examples I wanted to talk to you about or wanted to, to highlight from the book are um, uh, how his, like, fa- how the public reacts to him and how, like, his fans react to him. So obviously there was, like, let's go jump back and talk about the, the quote we, we kind of opened everything with this idea, like, first, like, this is the public speaking about him, first of all. I think this is one of the characters talking to the other main character of the Dead Zone. And when he's saying the man is a clown and he goes charging around the platform. And it's just that bit where he says, he's a clown, so what? So people want a giggle or two. Even more, they want to thumb their noses at a political establishment that doesn't seem able to solve anything. And it was just, yeah, it's just, that's such an evocative quote, I think. Like, And then it gets like a little bit more more serious when um, the main character of the novel, he gets this ability to to touch people and see their, see sort of their f- future almost, or like... <laughs> You know, casually. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So he basically becomes obsessed with Stilson after he goes to... So he goes to the rally. I think that section I read earlier was when he was at the rally. And he ends up shaking Stilson's hand and he gets this vision of this, like, nightmarish kind of apocalyptic vision of how the world will be if Stilson gets into power. Let them come up. This is not necessary, Mr. President. We have a diplomatic solution. Mr. Vice President... Mr. Secretary, the missiles are flying. So he becomes obsessed with with Stilson and um, and how he can stop him, basically. And he goes and at one point I think he he's go he he goes to a town where Stilson's going to appear and do a talk. And he goes into like a local um, a local pub and he's talking to uh, the guy behind who works there, and um, he's just asking him about what he thinks about Greg Stilson, just to kind of get get a sense of what people think about him. And uh, yeah, it's just quite, it's quite, again, like another quote that, that sort of really like rang a bell when I read it was that this guy is almost like, he's almost like aggressively enthusiastic about like defensive almost about Stilson. He's like, he tells this story about how uh, Stilson came into the pub and how like he's uh, like, you know, business was like booming or whatever and everyone wanted to see him. And the main character says, oh, sounds like you think he's one hell of a guy. Uh, and O'Donnell, this character, responds, Yeah, I do. I'd be tempted to put my bare knuckles to anyone who said the other way. And what's the similarity that you found with Trump? You know, there was that infamous video of the guy that I think he elbowed a protester at... Um, Did you like the event? You bet I liked it. Yeah. At a Trump rally. rally. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and he was interviewed afterwards and... What'd you like about it? just that real like we don't know who he is yeah that kind of aggressive we know he's not acting like an american so he deserved it every bit of it there's there's a lot of clips actually particularly when it was still the campaign where you know different kinds of protesters black lives matter as activists and things like that as they were being escorted out of these 
Trump rallies, you know, they, they would be punched and kicked and shoved as they were being escorted. Yeah. Um, and it became, you know, I mean, you know, it, standard, it extends all the way to Charlottesville, right? Because that's essentially what it is. Uh, the army of the right fighting the, the imagined army of the left, this, this absolute... Yeah, and it's... I, I watched, I think it was like a New York Times video, and it was basically like Trump rallies from the ground kind of thing, or from the point of view of the audience, and they'd yeah. obviously sent... I love the old days. ...people along to kind of video it, and... Do you know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, for And they highlighted, like, some of the, like, really aggressive, like, language they were using and yeah. stuff, and, like, just the kind of almost, like, hate-filled atmosphere in yeah. the crowd. Like, well, people were so... We're not allowed, you know, the guards are very gentle with him. He's walking out, like, big high-fives, smiling laughing like to punch him in the face I'll yeah tell you. and they were it was weird in this video like there was footage of the crowd going Trump 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 and it is exactly like the Greg, the, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. so yeah I mean what, what do you what, are you what do you think about it like does it qualify as a good prediction do you think I think I think it does I think it's uh, particularly interesting because it's not a prediction about the general state of the world let's say you know where we are technologically or where we are politically whether there's war whether we're in sort of a dystopian future whether it's a positive future but it's specifically about the rise to power of a particular kind of cult personality and I think it's interesting that the case study is America in 76. Um, mm. And we often tend to think now the world that we live in in 2018, you know, is very different from all the other versions of the world and presence that we've had because of social media and we were closer and, you know, we have the internet and stuff. But actually what, what struck me is that in 1976, without all these things, it seems to have proceeded in exactly the same way as a thought experiment. Yeah. Bar the guy who has the incredible skill to see the future. <laughs> well, that's, the, I guess that's kind of what, uh, like, almost impressed me more in a way is it's not really like, like, I guess the way I've, like, uh, described it, it sounds like this character is very much the focus of the novel, but he's, yeah. he's almost like, I mean, he is a big part of the novel. Like, he's, I'd say he's the central antagonist, but it, it's almost only like one part of the, the story, like the, it's a really like it's a really kind of com I don't want to kind of ruin anything but yeah like I said there's this character and he, he has I think he has a car accident and he goes into a coma basically and he's when he when he wakes up he has this ability and before he even like so Greg's timeline is kind of running along with his so Greg is kind of doing his own thing and this character is doing his own thing and he goes and I think he helps solve a murder in another town or something and before he even meets up with Greg or first encounters Greg in the middle, and it's all their, their narratives are just running um, parallel to each other. So it's kind of it's kind of impressive because it's not even like it didn't feel when I read it that Stephen King had set out to make a political point, or it didn't feel like he was saying, you know, this whole uh, novel is 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 going to be like a, a warning about yeah. like like he tweeted the rise of a, a populist demagogue. He didn't it didn't feel like that was a, the central message he was trying to push. It almost felt like it was just. He just woven in this part of the the book, and I guess his ability, uh, and this is something I like about his writing, his his ability to kind of dig into the psychology of things, and and I guess the the way societies work. Like he's a lot of his books, he's really good at um, this kind of he does diagnosing a, the social fabric almost. Yeah, no, for sure. Like a lot of his books, the the kind of common kind of common theme there is yeah his ability to sort of I guess 
write how groups of people react when they're in certain situations or kind of predict that is obviously he's obviously like pretty good at it and it's yeah and he's even in like a side plot of this novel he's managed to do it in such a accurate way that yeah. we're like sat here talking about it in detail like you know 30 how many years later 40 40 years 40 yeah. years later yeah what i found particularly interesting and i what i think makes this a really compelling fiction prediction is is some of the quotes um, that you selected and the fact that they were repeated almost you know word by word by politicians and by and or by crowds or something like this nowadays right yes that's the that's the bit that really stood out to me it was like not not so much just the kind of overall this scene sounds a bit similar to this scene but there were even certain word choices that were identical almost yeah the the what was it the malevolent carnival barker yeah cynical carnival pitchman versus malevolent carnival barker it's incredible yeah it, that, that's 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 one of the things i like picking out almost combing through the book and picking out those little bits of evidence and the way they some of them match up was really yeah it was really fascinating to me yeah the devil's in detail isn't it because also some of the scenes that you describe they seem quite facile on their own like the one where you're you're talking about greg greg stilson throwing um is it hot dogs at, yes at the rally and on its own it doesn't really strike as as particularly like important or crazy but when, when you think of it in the context of donald trump and when in 2017 he was heavily criticized for throwing paper towels at a crowd while he was visiting Puerto Rico following the hurricane. It's just these little traits in, in their personality. What they share is this kind of like almost... Well, they're almost showmen, aren't they? Like yeah. it's like everything's... There's, there's, a, there's a show to be put on. And everything is very impulsive and not very thought through and they just yes. sort of go with the crowd and it's something that Trump is constantly being, you know, criticized about that he like... He doesn't follow the script and he like doesn't listen to his staff when he's just tweeting and he's just saying what he thinks and it seems that Greg Stilson, the whole character is just this slowly brewing volcano because nobody can sort of stop him and nobody can contain him and he's just like... A, a time bomb ticking isn't it yeah that's that's exactly right yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head i mean and i guess just as a as a sort of a a final note um just because this is such a prescient fiction prediction and i mean stephen king also mentioned it um himself that he finds these similarities i wonder as, as a pretty avid stephen king Uh, follower and reader what do you think is going to happen to trump if you could if you could judge his sort of rise according to the according to the books and and, and sort of the crumbs that have been left behind wow. what do you think is going to happen to trump that's a very difficult question um and i don't know like i i i guess like looking back at the book obviously it felt like now you know talking about it now it feels like there are a lot of clues even in the novel that something like this could happen but as to where it's going to go and where it's going to end up i i really have no idea like it feels like you know it's sort of similar with with brexit really like i i don't i don't know how it's going to end up and i don't think anyone accurate could accurately predict that okay uh i guess this is all for this first episode i hope you guys liked it So in the next episode, it's going to be me trying to impress Sam. I'm looking forward to it. With a very particular piece of fiction. Um, and then we'll see how it goes from there. 
And if you do want to chat to us about um, any, yeah, any of the kind of things we've talked about, you can find us on Twitter. So I'm just at Sam Hasem. And what's your Twitter handle again, Nick? It's Nikolai underscore Nikolov. Nikolai Nikolov. Okay. Just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks very much for tuning in. Fiction Predictions. If you liked our first episode and would like to hear more fiction predictions, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming platform you use. You could also leave a comment or give us a rating, as it would be really helpful for us to reach new audiences. Fiction Predictions is a mashable podcast created by Sam Hasem and Nikolai Nikolov. The theme song was composed by Kasberg. The artwork was designed by Bob Algreen. And this episode was edited by Nick. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.